this morning, I want to share from Matthew chapter 11, and I'll do a very generic overview in the chapter, but I'm, I'm taking the emphasis from verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, and I'm coming to verse 12. Have any of you ever thought that we seem to be at like a spiritual lull? And you get this uh, feeling in your spirit that there is this need to, to press in, this need to be aggressive in the Lord in the right way. Well, I've been feeling that. In John, I'm sorry, not John, in Matthew, rather, Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 11, John the Baptist has sent his disciples to check to see if Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus does not say, yes, I am. He does not say, no, I am not. He does not use a yes or a no, but he basically refers to the fruit. He says, look what is happening. And I so appreciated uh, the children's message, which we're all children and we all need that message. Look at the fruit. He said, the lame are walking, the blind are receiving sight, the deaf hear. He just tells the followers of John. He's in prison at this time. I am sure he's at the lowest point in his life. And he does this check. He sends his followers to see if indeed Christ is the Messiah. And he says, this is what is happening. Go, go tell John what you see, what is happening. So then after he gives that answer and he sends them back, now Jesus is talking to the rest of the people that are there about John the Baptist. And we come to verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I think these words um, in our thinking could lead us to think something that is not quite accurate. But I feel Jesus here, he's talking about having this press in our spirit. It's not being violent to anyone else, but it's, it's being serious. It's being willing to give away all else to obtain the greatest thing. I'll come back to this. While we were driving here to Zion, I really felt impressed with the need for the church to continue to press in. I hear <clears throat> generations before me talk about moves of God. But I don't think that the Spirit of God has moved in a significant way in my lifetime. Not like the revival you hear about at the turn of the century, the turn of last century, or uh, there was the charismatic renewal. It's been a while. And I feel at least one of the purposes of God is he's just seeing who is serious, who will continue to ask to seek and to knock. 
who will continue to press in. I don't think he's playing games. That's not our God. But he's looking for people who are serious. And we need to press in. We either press in or we drift back. That's the only two things that happen, whether in the natural or in the spiritual. So we need to be aggressive, but we can be aggressive in the wrong way. So we have to balance that. We don't want to uh, go off on our own trail, our own uh, hobby horse, something that's going to take us away from what God has, but to be aggressive to what he has spoken, to what he has given to us, and to not let it go. Amen. I feel that I live and work in a place where the church needs more teaching. And I know you can say that in general for the whole world, but I feel it's, it's pronounced, it's emphasized where I am. And a result of that is you see uh, different needs, you see lacks. You see the result of the lack of teaching or poor teaching. And I feel like in the West, where we have had God's light, and I'm not talking about here, I'm talking the church in general, there's more, the, the situation is more, it's an apathy, pleasure-seeking, and aspiring to your own dream. I feel like the, the American dream, you know, to have a house, a car, and, you know, this very nice life, it feels like, you know, that was generations ago, and they attained that, and then the American dream became you know, two cars and two houses, hopefully not two wives. But everything just became, the, the dream just grew bigger. And, in, and if we're not careful, we spend all our time either acquiring something or taking care of it. And I'm just talking in general, uh, the, Western, the Western church, how I see it. I'm not you know, specifically saying that we have this problem here, but that we see what the problem is and that we guard against it so that we don't go in that direction. So these things can take us from the purposes of God. You know, recently I've been reading a book that's called Face to Face with Jesus. And the author is... Samah Habib, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. She's a former Muslim. And she received Christ when she was a very young girl, and she paid a tremendous price. She grew up in a, a Muslim household, um, and also in her childhood there came a, a war, and with the war it wasn't just one side fighting the other side, but then, of course, as so often happens, you have these uh, militias and groups that rise up that are there for their own interests, and it was just a tremendous disaster, tremendous war zone that she grew up in. But she longed to have a relationship with a God who loved her, the God who created her, and the God who wanted a relationship with her. And as a young girl, she accepted Christ, and she paid a price in her family. She even experienced a bombing at the church she went to, which 
momentarily took her life. She recounts where her spirit leaves her body, and she's in heaven, and she's with Jesus, and the Lord gave her the option if she wanted to stay or to go back, to go back and to see her family turn to Christ. And she chose to come back. But then in recounting uh, heaven, and not really heaven so much, but more being with the Lord, she's not sure if she would make that choice again because she said it was wonderful to be with him. She was beaten nearly to death by her family. She's experienced tremendous things. And when I'm reading this book, I think to myself, man, I've become rather soft in my Christianity. And I don't think that we need to look to become martyrs. We, you know, if that's what God has for us, he'll prepare us for that. But it's not what he has for everyone. So that shouldn't be our, our goal, our theme. But we need to fight the ever-present enemy. And I don't care if you live in Tanzania or if you live in New York or somewhere in the U.S., there is an enemy that is ever-present. And maybe through the years and the decades, he changes his approach and his tactics. But he is very um, sneaky. He's working behind the scenes and he's trying everything he can to catch away people, to cause people to cool off and to drift away. And that's what we're up against. That's what we have to fight. Places where we're from, um, you know, problems are witchcraft, false religions, and even culture itself is a big hold, a very strong hold. And in the West, you know, maybe it's different. Those things I've mentioned, apathy, pleasure-seeking, and materialism. And so maybe, you know, we're facing slightly different things, but the enemy uses anything and everything he can. And I feel this is a critical time where we're in the balance. And you could say that, yes, of the entire church age. But I feel in the last number of years, it's especially true. America desperately needs those who are willing to shine the light of the gospel no matter what. Amen. Well, I suppose I can make a, a confession to you now, and I will confess to you that I have listened to uh, some of Keith Green's music. Keith Green was a bit... Uh, a bit eccentric in a charismatic way. He died in a plane crash a number of years ago. But he has a song, and it's called Asleep in the Light. And I just wanted to quote some very apropos um, phrases from part of this song. Oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark. That the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? I'll just read that again. Oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light.
how can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? And I don't, I don't say that. I don't, I don't bring this message in any way as a condemnation to any one of us. It's, it's this realization for me that I can live with this thought. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm serving the Lord, and I've given my life to do that. And I'm out on the mission field, and yet there can be this, this settling down, this, this relaxing in the spirit. And so this is for me that there is an, a, a fire that will propel me forward. And since it's what I have, what I've been given, I, I believe that it's for us. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. I don't know why this hadn't occurred to me until just the other day, but Jesus says from the days of John the Baptist until now. How long could have that been? Six months? And so I don't think he's, the emphasis here isn't like the length of time, but I believe very much when you reconsider what is in this verse, the emphasis is the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. This suffers violence means to force or to crowd into. It gives me the thought of getting just one more person on the elevator. It's a, it's a seizing or a pressing. And what was John's message? What had he, well, the Lord through him, what was being opened up? It was simply the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here and it is now. And repent. There's the opportunity of salvation. And I think we need to live in the reality of the opportunity of salvation, not the salvation of giving our lives to the Lord, which I trust all of us have done long ago, but walking in that way, that way of salvation that of the Holy Spirit leading us down the pathway and having that sensitivity to hear him say, this is the way, walk in it. That we seize what God has for us. We press into it whatever we have to do to obtain it. It reminds me of a Tanzanian pastor friend of mine. A few years ago, we were out on a trip, and he, he brings out his laptop, and he's going online for something. And when he's online, he comes across an advertisement. And it was an advertising, it was advertising the upcoming celebration of the 500-year anniversary of when Luther nailed his thesis to the door. So I think that was probably within the last couple or few years. And the, the advertisement, which it just made us laugh and laugh and laugh, it was worded something like this, don't miss it or you'll have to wait another 500 years till the next one. Oh man, we had a good time. Because I said, my goodness, I'm not going to make it this time. I'm, you know, we've got things to do. We're not going to be there. And in 500 years, I don't know, I, maybe we'll be in the millennium. Maybe it will be celebrated. Maybe I will make it. I don't know. I really don't know how that's going to shake out. But, you know, the, 
you know, that's humorous. But the thing is, like, the opportunities that we have and this, this pressing into God, because if we don't press forward, we drift backward. It's not like, well, well, if I don't catch it this time around, maybe next time. You know, we, we, don't, we can't afford that. And Jesus says that it is the violent that take it by force. My brother-in-law shared with me one time that he had watched that he'd watched a show or something on TV. It was about the subway in Japan. And he said that there were a couple of of men, a couple of attendants at the subway at maybe each station of the subway. Um they wore white gloves and their job was when the the subway stopped and opened up and people got in that they would they would push people in you think it's full those guys are going to get more in they're you know that would never work in america never work there would be so many lawsuits but i mean i believe my brother-in-law he doesn't lie he saw that that's a thing in japan you know, they're going to fill it up. Kind of reminds me of African transportation. You know, if the vehicle is made for 13, they simply jog the numbers and they can fit 31 into that vehicle. And that's the thought I'm getting with Jesus saying, the violent take it by force. It's not just saying, well, that's pretty good. I'll, I'll, I'll get that when I get to it. It's, I will drop everything and I will take it now. I will do what it takes. I will crowd in. I will be the very last person if, it, if that's what is necessary. I will force in. I remember being the very last person on an airplane. That's not the position you want to be in. It's better to be there before, but uh, there were some complications, and indeed I was glad to be on, but boy, that was stressful. I'm 45 years old. So I think about midlife crises. I think I'm, I'm, I'm old enough. I'm allowed to have one, right? And my midlife crisis is Savior. While on others you are calling, do not pass me by. I don't want to be off just biding time out of your will. I don't want to be on some silly device that's going to cause me to, to miss it, um, use social media in a wrong way that just fritters away my time when I should be out in the field working. And so I want to cry out to God, what do you have for my life? What is the next step? What is the most important thing that you have for me to accomplish? That matters for all of eternity, not something that's for today or maybe for a short period of time to, uh, you know, enjoy, make my life more comfortable. But Lord, what vision are you giving me? What vision are you giving your church, the congregation that I am a part of? What is the church's heavenly mission statement? You know, I so appreciate that this already came up. John chapter 9 and verse 4. 
John 9, verse 4, and Jesus is speaking here. He says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. So Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. He realized that he was sent. He was sent, obviously, from his heavenly father, and he had a, a very... Um, specific purpose. It wasn't just in general, go there, be a good example, but a very specific purpose. I was sent by my father. He sent me and I must work the works of him. He had specific things to do. And it's no different for me or for you. We have specific things to do. And it doesn't matter whether it's big or small. It's just those things that God wants us to do. And maybe he just wants us to have a conversation with our neighbor or someone at the stores when we're free to go to stores, things like that. He says, I must do the work of him that sent me while it is day. So he's saying there is a time frame. You know, there's day and then there's night. And that's been happening for centuries, for millennia, day and night. And he's using that and he's saying that there's a time frame to accomplish the task that we're given. The night comes when no man can work. If you're driven for a project and you're, you're trying to get it done and night comes and you're not able to finish it, if you're like me, that, that you carry that with you and that's the next thing you want to do as soon as you can the following day. The night comes when no man can work. And so let us do the work in the day while we have the time. You know, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, Jesus there talks about the pearl of great price. And if I remember correctly, he says that the uh, it's like a, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man. He sells everything he has to obtain the pearl of great price. But it seems to me the, the, the Western church, we want to keep everything we have and get the pearl of great price. Big difference, and it doesn't work. And, and I'm not saying that you know about this church. I'm saying if we're not careful, we will slip into what is around us by the grace of God. I, you know, the presence of God is here. It's so, been so wonderful to be with you this morning. But let us not say, well, I, I have all this stuff, and yeah, hopefully I can add to that the pearl of great price, but that we're willing to part with everything else in order to get the pearl of great price. It's like, um, you know, a newborn baby or a butterfly, they don't that struggle. And you, you might be tempted to, to make it easy on them, but that's the struggle they need. And it's the struggle that sets them up to grow and to develop and to, if I could say, to, to have success. And historically, God's people have made, when they've been pressing into him, they do well. They stay on track. But it's when things get easy, there's this cooling off. It's like a, it's like a big pot of soup on a fire. It's going to stay hot while it's on the fire. You take it off, there will be this gradual cooling. So I don't want to be off the fire 
Um, later on in this ver uh, chapter, I need to move along here, Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, Jesus says, he that has ear to hear, let him hear. This is a way of Jesus saying, this is very important. Pay attention to this. It reminds me when Pastor Topper tells the students, this will be on your test. Well, you want to listen up. You want to take good notes. <laughs> so um, verses 16 through 19. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like little children sitting in the markets and calling to their playmates, saying, we played the flute to you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, but you did not wail. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man who is a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom was justified by her children. And sadly here, Jesus is saying, you know, this generation always responds the wrong way. And that's really the, the human condition. That's the condition of the flesh. We will always go the wrong way because of the flesh, if, if we allow the flesh to be in control. But if we are walking in the Spirit of God, then that does not have to be true of us, these verses. And I, I just realized when I was contemplating this, where Jesus says this generation, maybe he's not just saying like the people who were alive in his day, but that could also apply to this generation. It could be this church age. You know, that word generation can be used different ways. Oh, Lord, I don't want that to be the case. I want to respond the way that you want me to respond. And when you're starting to move, when you do something new, like it was in the days of John the Baptist, that I respond to that. And those people, they, they didn't quite follow Christ. They went to see John. They went to see what was exciting, but they didn't follow through, many of them. And I want to have that press in my spirit. Well, how does it all end? I just want to finish by reading the last few verses of that chapter, Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the sophisticated and cunning and revealed them to babes. I don't want to be sophisticated or cunning. You know, that's, that's valued in the, in the world. But in God's economy, the ones who get it are just little babies. Oh, Lord, help me to be a little baby to receive what you do and say. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things are delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, I'm doing something I don't, I don't like doing, going just a little bit over my time here. 
But when I considered the end of this chapter in light of the entire chapter, it took on a different light to me. I'm familiar with those verses. I like those verses. Come to me, you who are laboring or heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you, learn of me. I am meek and lowly, you'll find rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. But when I take it into consideration of where Jesus is talking to the people, and he's talking about John the Baptist, and he's, you know, in, in places he's saying, well, wh what did you go out to see? You know, he, he wasn't, that was the moving of God. And did you respond the way you should have? You know, Jesus was still challenging them on the heels of that revival because it was ushering in what Jesus himself was doing. And yet so many saw the out outward, but didn't allow it to affect them inwardly and realize that Jesus is the son of God in the flesh. And the most important thing would be to follow in his way. And... Um, Come to me, you who are laboring or heavy laden. You know, it's good to work hard, but we have to do the work that God has given us to do. Otherwise, we're working hard and we're, it's like just spinning your wheels and, and you're not getting anything done. You're just getting exhausted. But he says, you know, when you come to me, then I will give you rest. And he says, take my yoke on you. When an animal first comes into the yoke, it's not familiar with that and it's not comfortable. It's it, it wants to buck the yoke. It wants to get out. But Jesus says, my yoke is, is not heavy. It's not, it's not difficult. It's not going to weigh you down. When you will come alongside me and you're in the yoke with me, it will be easy because I am the leader. I, I will direct you. And all you have to do is make sure you remain in the yoke and you follow alongside me. Uh, learn from me, I am meek and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. Well, I've, I've come to the end of my time this morning, and um, that's really what's on my heart, is this continuing to press into God. It, to me, it feels dry. I'm, I'm just being honest. It feels like it's been dry for some years, and I want to be faithful. I don't care if it continues to be dry for 10 years, 20 years. I, I don't know God's timing, but I don't want to do well to a point and then just turn aside. Amen? God bless you. Pastor. Let's just pray, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word to our hearts this morning. And Lord, we pray that you would just cause us not just to be hearers only, but doers, Lord Jesus. And oh God, Lord, that verse, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Lord, we pray that you would, Lord, forgive us maybe for our carelessness, our apathy, our indifference, our half-heartedness. And Lord, we pray in a new way that you would just cause us, oh God, to seek you, to love you, to press into you, oh God, to accomplish those things that you have ordained even for, before the foundation of the world for us to obtain. Oh God, move in our hearts, draw us, Lord, that truly, Lord, by your grace, we can press into you and seek you with all our heart, with all our being. 
Give us a renewed hunger and thirst for you and your ways. And Lord, we believe that you would come through. Lord, we thank you. Your, your, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And oh God, Lord, we just pray that you would just, oh God, just continue to apply this word to our hearts, cause it to be worked out in each of our lives. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' precious and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Amen.